Our reading this morning is a modern adaptation from anti-Nazi German pastor Martin Neymoller, a version of which can be read at the Boston Holocaust Memorial. First, they came for the women, and I did not speak out because I was not a woman. Then they came for the people with disabilities, and I did not speak out because I did not have a disability. Then they came for the African-Americans, and I did not speak out because I was not African-American. Then they came for the Mexicans, and I did not speak out because I was not Mexican. And then they came for the Muslims, and I did not speak out because I was not Muslim. Then they came for the gay, bi, and trans people, and I did not speak out because I was not gay, bi, or trans. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for the journalists, and, and I did not speak out because I was not a journalist. Then they came for the judges, and I did not speak out because I was not a judge. And then they came for me, and by that time, no one was left to speak up. Here is our world. Beautiful and terrible things happen every day of our week. And yet we are asked to keep our hearts tender and our eyes soft because this is what you and I are about. We know there is no answer but to love each other. We bear witness against unnecessary destruction and then we gather in community to practice being the person that we say we want to be. As we remind each other every week, we cannot do everything, but of course we can do something. And that something is never nothing. So let us forget our perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. Say with me if you know the words. That is how the light gets in. So the new year was, was not even three weeks old when out with the old and with the new, CVS was selling the five-foot plastic Santa mannequin and the five-pack of Jingle Bells wrapping paper on a fire sale. All of it took the prime location in the, in the center right near the, the checkout um, register lines, positioned for, for impulse buy. Because now that it was mid-January, Time was short and love was in the air. <laughs> and I mean that literally because hanging from the fluorescent lights <laughs> were, were big hearts and cupids aiming their arrows down at the woman who was bulk buying toilet paper in the pharmacy line <laughs> and the bored teenager restocking the antifungal department. And the guy in front of me waiting for like four minutes for the register to spit out a seven-foot-long receipt <laughs> coupon after he bought a single sponge. Right? And aiming also at the woman behind the register whose reading glasses sat on the edge of her nose, on her collar a single Patriots helmet, and around her neck a thin gold chain with the Star of David. All, all of them, all, all of them, all of us deserving of love. But is Cupid what we mean when we say that? 
Is some Latin era little winged baby with hunting arrows what we mean when we say love is the spirit of this church? One of you will tell me, yes, that's what it means. <laughs> oh, Nathan, you think too much, I think to myself. As I feel around me the claustrophobia of red hearts and red-wrapped chocolates and red-cheeked cupids and red Valentine love cards and make a mental note to rant later in a sermon about how it is, my friends, that love has come to be bought and sold and commodified and domesticated and molded into plops of Hershey kiss over sweetness, amen, and not whispered, whispered like the fragile secret it is, not held and treasured in our hands like the raw, fragile cut jewel it is, meant for careful, precise use in these beautiful, broken, fierce, icy, heart-strung, high-strung, anxious, angry times in which we live. Which is why no one will go to the store with me and my family. <laughs> but that night, three weeks ago, it was like two and a half weeks ago, had earned the right to hang over me with some intensity. Because after I, I buy my little tube of Tums, my stomach upset by nerves that I'm not used to feeling before I speak in front of people, because I speak in front of, of you all the time, I needed then to drive to Adams Middle School in Holliston and then get up on the stage in the auditorium with the superintendent of Holliston Schools and not one but two rabbis. And Barb Fritz, who's teaching in the back this morning, who's a child therapist in Holliston, and she's a member here. All of us were there on a Wednesday night right after dinner, invited by Diverse Holliston, which is a group of community members who seek uh, to help that town, my town, many of us live in that town, to they help discuss questions of diversity in that town that's frankly no different than Sherburne and not that different than Natick, as we learn how to talk about things that we're not practiced at, about talking about how racial diversity is slim, but it's not as slim as some people think in that town, how economic diversity is hidden, but it's not as hidden as some people think, and how religious diversity is, is minimally observed, but it's not as minimal as some think. Remember the woman behind the register with the Star of David. All of us were invited there, not because we wanted to be, not because we were preparing to, to work on an MLK service or something. We were there because we had to be, because we needed to be. Because right before December break, I think on the 17th of December, one of the elementary students in Placentino noticed during recess a symbol newly carved into the slide of the school playground, a symbol that this child knew needed, they needed to tell an adult about, because this child knew that it meant to send hate and hurt and fear. Now, before we despair too much with the world, which we're good at, I am, you are, 
and wonder what will the hell become of us and become of our world, can we permit some praise for this child to peek in and for their family and their teachers and maybe their religious community if they have one? That somewhere, some when, somehow, they got the message that that child did, that they couldn't be a bystander to hate, that instead they had to be an upstander to hate. So that when they saw the lines carved deep into the plastic molding of that slide, maybe knowing it was called a swastika, maybe not knowing that's what it was called, but knowing that it meant to send hurt and hate and fear, they knew they had to tell. Because they knew, maybe, that in these times and in all times, complacency is dangerous and silence is a weapon. And as our reading that Nora read beautifully reminds us, if we forego speaking out because, you know, I'm not a woman, I'm not a Mexican, I'm not an immigrant, I'm not a journalist, I'm not a transgender soldier, I'm not a lesbian mom, I'm not a Jew, if we don't speak, no one will be left to speak for us. So, will anyone come to the forum? It's not the only question, but it's a question. Will folks be too busy? Will they be too drawn in by the next streaming Netflix episode? There are some good ones out there. <laughs> Will they be too tired after a long day of commuting in and out of Boston? Some of you have unbelievably difficult commutes. And it sucks your spirit. And I mean that literally. Some of you, some of us, are, have so much stuff happening in our own life. We have big problems. We can't show up to everything, can we? We can't do everything, can we? No, but it doesn't mean that we can't do some things that maybe one of us in the house goes. Maybe we have it in our energy to go to one thing. Just what people did. The auditorium was not full, but it was not sparse either. And before we give ourselves over to despair for the world, for what will come of us, can we allow some praise to peek in as I as I looked out over that auditorium and I said to the, to the group when it was my turn to speak, I said to them, thank you for putting your body where your beliefs are, for preaching with your time and not just your mouth. Thank you for, for knowing and noticing that hate needs to not be explained away or cast aside as some, you know, dumb kids doing a dumb thing, which is what I heard in, in my town. Thank you for the Jewish folks that night, many of whom I knew, but I never knew were Jewish. 
who reminded the rest of us how the swastika is not some generalized, generic, bad symbol, but rather one that was used to represent a whole extermination of a whole people. And then from the crowd stands one man, my uncle, stands another woman, my grandmother, stands another person, three of my family members, right there in the auditorium on a Wednesday night. What does this have to do with love? Everything, but first. Those who were there with me, and I see some of you who were there with me, listened with awe as, as Barb Fritz, who again is teaching, and I was so proud to be her minister that night. She reminded us as a therapist how kids are, and they are, as a parent of two kids, they're watching us all the time. And they hear what we don't say as much as what we do say. And then she reminded us that if we avoid having difficult conversations like the one that we had in that auditorium that night, that if we try to be so polite and so cautious and we avoid tough conversations, then she said, we will allow the bad actors to continue. And then next, my friends, the superintendent, who I know just a little bit, who gave a long spiel earlier in the night about curriculum and how the curriculum is meant to curtail prejudice after hearing Barb said, I want to be vulnerable with you. And then he said how scared he was to be there that night. How in this time of charged politics and everyone recording everything that we say, that he was fearful he would say the wrong thing. Because it would have an impact on someone he didn't intend. And he asked for permission to have more conversations like this so to help him be more brave. And then the rabbis, when asked what their antidote to the hate is, they said just one word, both of them. Pride. Pride in being who they are. Pride in loving and worshiping God the way that they do wearing the Star of David around their neck on a chain and claiming their heritage with fullness and fulsomeness and no hiding, they said. And then an African-American woman stood up in the very front and she said, I'm not Jewish, but I know the fear the symbol was meant to cause because I have experienced it in my life. I know what it feels like to be targeted with hate, so I am here, she said. And then the reporter of the town newspaper who first reported the story and who did not name the swastika as a symbol of anti-Semitism but as a more generic symbol of hate, kind of muted it, domesticated that symbol. She stood up, my friends, and she apologized to the entire auditorium. She apologized to them for not naming with force and precision and facts what had happened because she was worried. She wanted to be, she said, too polite. And then others in that community, my community, my town, 
stood and talked painfully about the anti-Semitism that they had experienced in Holliston. I have to say to you, something was happening in that space that night. I can see Jen nodding her because you were there. Something about truth-telling, something about vulnerability, something about risk. I have heard some of us, some of me even over the years say that this kind of work is meant for somewhere else. And the answer, of course, is, oh, no. That we, we have to up stand with our communities. And I believe that it actually has a lot to do, it has everything to do with just one word, and that is love. Oh, that word. The word that once upon a time the Greeks called philia, which is what today is about in general, care for others. Eros, romance, which I'm going to talk about next week. And then agape, love without condition, which I'll talk about at the end of the month. And that somehow, somewhere, has now become the purview of CVS and Hallmark and Cupid and Lifetime movies and sweetheart candies and heart emojis on our smartphones. And it has become almost, I think, like a broken syllable on our tongue. Its power has been muted. It has become domesticated. Love has become like a wilted houseplant or like a docile pet. And not something that is fierce that motivates you to get out of your house on a Wednesday night, some of you, and sending those, if you couldn't go, or sending me a note saying encouraging me to go, that drove you out of your house to show up for your Jewish neighbors that you didn't know were Jewish when you learned that a swastika was carved with a knife into a slide. That is fierce love. The kind of love that, that inspires, I think, the superintendent to say, I am scared to be here, but I need your help to be brave. That inspired the black woman to stand up and said, I am not Jewish, but I'm here because I know what it's like to receive hate. CVS will not market that kind of love. It starts here. Maybe we could sell it. We sell it with our presence. This kind of love looks like love for other people. It looks like what's seeing what's possible but is not here yet. It looks like showing up enough to risk to risk our presence enough and saying no to the large and small hate that lives in our towns. 
This kind of love speaks up. It does not cower. It does not hang from fluorescent lights in the darkness of early February and then go away again until next year. This kind of love is fierce. It is active. It is what I mean, and I encourage you to join me to say it is what we mean when we say love is the spirit of this church. Heather and I for years have been saying that we come to church to practice being the people that we say we want to be. And that word practice, my friends, is so important because we fail all the time. And we can try again all the time. So inevitably in my life, and I know in your life, there have been times when I have not heard the call. Maybe I've heard the call of this kind of love, but I have just tuned it out. So I come here to this community, to the place that I'm a minister, but also to the place that I belong, to be reminded of who I want to be in the world. So I ask myself, and I extend the invitation to you, where is, how is, when is, who is, what is calling you toward this kind of fierce love in your life, in your family, in your community, in your job, in your time? Ask with me, where is this love needed? Give yourself just a moment to think about that. And next, ask with me, well, what am I going to do about it?